0: It's time to talk music, audio gear, and anything else that crosses our minds. I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. And welcome to the Hairton Audio Podcast. Some Walk the Moon has released like a swan song of sorts called The Liftaway, which features sort of new music that's sort of not come out and then sort of remixes and tracks from their debut album, I Want, I Want That is not on Spotify and streaming services. Um, which is a pretty cool thing for a band that, say, is going on hiatus to release, like, just something for fans of the band to sort of listen to and and get into, which is nice. And they've stressed that, they're not going away forever. It's like a goodbye for now. But like you say, Mike, there's a lot of bands that are just like, yeah, we call, we're calling it all like, a bit like Daft Punk. It's like, oh no, yeah, we called it ages ago. And yeah, we're 10 gone. years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then you're not getting anything else, which I think a lot of Daft Punk fans were, were gutted about because they'd been waiting in suspense for 10 years after Random Access Memories, only to be brought to tears by Daft Punk's announcement video of them basically exploding, which is taken from one of the movies that they've done anyway. Yeah. And, but what's nice with Walk the Moon, like you say, is that they're saying, look, it may for people who have been massive fans, and and we've certainly been very big on Walk the Moon from from um, just after Talking Is Hard and uh, What If Nothing, mainly was the album that really got us super into Walk the Moon. So a bit bit latecomers to Walk the Moon as a band, but still thoroughly enjoyed and um, have been to see them and stuff. So when they say, oh, we're going on a hiatus or an indefinite hiatus, indefinite's always a horrible word for that, isn't it? Yeah, because it's never as indefinite as they're willing to say it is on the press release. Yeah. So, but... You know, they're like you're all, you know, a bit gutted. So here's like, how many songs is on it, Mark? Is it like nine tracks? I believe it's three new song, new songs in quotation marks in a row. Then because there could be demos or, or whatever taken from whatever they've done. Three songs from I Want, I Want, and then three remixes, well, two remixes, and then a new song with the band. No, Bare I believe, hands. I believe that's from um, Anna Sun. Is oh, is The last it? track. I just when we just we just flicked through on Spotify Real. Quick, and I'm sure I saw it on Anderson. Let me just have Um, a look. So it's a really nice, like, package, like, to say, wow, well, we're going somewhere for a bit, or we may not release any music in a while, but here's nine new things to listen to, which is, I think, a very underrated technique. And uh, to their unfortunate, like, uh, you know, uh, decision everybody in like the Instagram comment section on the announcement is like, you're missing all these tracks, put all these tracks out. So whether whether they feel they have to actually follow up with some of the additional songs from... Um, I believe they're, the songs are from like a demo... Is it a demo album, I Want, I Want? So Iscariot is a song of Anna Sun, but they've now done a new version with Bare Hands. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. That's what I thought had happened when I just just glanced by it. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool release, really. And you sort of get a little bit of everything. I suppose you get a little bit of um, the initial debut of Walk the Moon, and then some sort of f- songs as like almost like a a finale before the encore, I suppose, is what you, you're sort of thinking. Like, the encores in... I don't know, five, six years' time, ten years' time or whatever, but this is like the, the send-off, so you've got, as a What the Moon fan, if they don't come back, this is like the send-off. Yeah, it's like a nice send-off. Like you were saying, like a swan song yeah. sort of situation. It, it would have been nice to have songs like Win Anywhere uh, on this, specifically in uh, physical release territory, like... On streaming, I un- I understand that there's not really much point of just packing, like, another five songs on the end. But, obviously, there's tracks that have come out, like, Walk the Moon, have got a lot of singles and, like, three-song sort of bits here and there yeah, that, that haven't actually made it onto any physical release. So, if they did press The Lift Away, it would be nice to see a few of those songs sort of included, uh, with this being a relatively short... And- release Interestingly enough this says at the on on Spotify if anybody is that way inclined like I am to see what is the credited record label it does say RCA Sony so that has some implications for me I didn't know whether this would be an independent you know I don't know how their contract is how many albums they signed for I was curious if it was going to be an independent release or not from Walk the Moon so the fact that it's on RCA means that potentially if RCA Sony want to make some money and they see that there is demand, they may go through and get some of the vault tracks out. Or this may be a band and label way of saying, let's put something out for the fans, you know, maybe make a bit of money, but you know, I would rather them do that. Like the songs like on the three songs from I want, I want have been sat there, not really monetized in terms of streaming services. So, I would encourage them, just, yeah, put them out. If they've got these songs, put them out. Why I think not? the the very tough thing, we're, like we've talked about when when it comes to like, um, when a band breaks up, what happens to all the demos and songs? And you sort of seen this happen with bands like, say, Daft Punk, where they don't have anything. and Which is label, still unbelievable to me. The label's panicking and they're going drumless edition. We need something to release, something to commemorate like a 10th anniversary or whatever with. Um... It's interesting, but like you say, in an ideal world, it doesn't really disappoint or hamper anybody to have tracks that have been recorded and brought up to sort of mix master level to not come out. Because it doesn't benefit the band financially, and a lot of the time, fans are clambering for any scraps like with Queen, before they actually put songs like with dog with a Burn" and stuff out there was youtube sort of rips that was awful that people were clambering to listen to i, I did an ab of the audio quality of the demo version that i had found on youtube of uh, dog with a bone to the version that came out on the miracle deluxe expanded 40th anniversary edition and the the audio quality and the, there's actually some performance differences as well which is surprising to me but the audio quality is unbelievably bad on the version that I had listened to and because I'd found it when I was a lot younger and I wasn't really production mindset you know in that that headspace I just thought oh well great I get to hear Queen do something I haven't heard before but then comparing it oh my god it sounded like garbage (laughs) Like, like the transfer was bad and the export was bad and, and it, it was not, you know, it's obviously a rough mix. So there's all that, um, noise and hiss and it's just not refined at all. So especially like when they've got these digital, like digital sessions, or even when they've got tapes they can go back to, they can easily bring these like old recordings to like professional grade because the technology is there i mean like we said last week look at the beatles it, it can be done so it's just a case of do you want to or not and i mean we're talking about songs that were originally released like by what and the moon so it's not they're not really gonna have to do anything i mean i believe the three in the middle are the original recordings aren't they from yeah the, yeah but i um, like mona noah uh, he's saying "awawe," so I'm uh, or, or, uh, pronouncing it in, in Japanese because it's a Japanese proverb, isn't it? Um, so I'm not going to try and say. It, but the "mono second... no awawe," we're yeah. Thinking if yeah. I did, if I didn't get that as I read wrong. it in English, it just looks like "mono no aware." But uh, listening to the song, obviously, it's pronounced slightly differently, which but... makes sense if you think about the. The, the phonetics of the language um, i was just about to say that that song's very good and it has a really nice little synthesizer solo which i, I really enjoyed that very walk well the moon do you think it is an sh um 201 maybe there's a chance we know that they like that since uh so there is a chance um but yeah it's a really nice thing for a band to do um i suppose the thing is like when we're talking about fans of bands and in most scenarios you just want as much as possible like i know a lot of Artists to like we need to save it, we need it, we need it to be the best that we have available. And they always say leave them wanting more, not leave them wanting less. But sometimes you get to a point where you're a fan of a band and you're like, give me anything. Give me like, everything, <laughs> isn't it? Give yeah. me literally everything that you've got. Um, and you sort of seen that with the Walk the Moon comments. I mean, they've done a really good send-off as Walk the Moon because they've done this big sort of Instagram campaign sort of documenting each era of the band leading up to this announcement as well, uh, where Nicholas Petrolta has been been talking about all the different eras, And you sort of thought, oh, well, we're just recapping it. And then that was leading up to this announcement of The Lift Away, which is a really nice thing because, like you say, you sort of come to terms through all these announcements on Instagram and stuff that, oh, yeah, there's not going to be any more music coming out. And then it's like, but wait there is some more music coming out, which which I think is a really I, cool thing to do. You know, we should have maybe seen it come in with the way that there was, like, breaking down their announcement of the hiatus, but I was still very surprised when they announced the music. And also when it was like, oh, it's coming out, like, in two weeks' time. Not, it's coming out. I mean, I was ready for, like, a next year release yeah. or something like that so it's really nice to get something like the, the only thing with there. that is if there was like we're going on hiatus but end of 2024 we're gonna have new studio album out you'd be like how you going on hiatus <laughs> it's one of those things but um i do think it would be interesting to see whether they choose to do a physical release of this and then if they do a physical release maybe they might just take on board the comments and put the i want i want with the bonus lift away songs on the end that could oh, yeah, be, yeah. Like that could be a one. scenario because it is a full album, isn't it? I want, I want. I know songs ended up on Anna son, I believe. Yeah. So it's not like a purely new album, but it's one of those as we we often see, like a pre-debut album, and almost, I mean, a good chunk of people have these where there's, there's the debut album, but then there's the the album before the debut album where there was getting it all together, or maybe that there, there wasn't signed in suppose- an official capacity yet. I suppose debut albums almost getting into that sort of like idol culture in Japan where the debut is like their official like commercial release, more so than the first thing they've made. But I think in in the West, you you typically associate debut with the first one, like just the first thing they've made. It depends on the the scale of the band, because some of the bands, their debut is the very first thing they put out. And then for other bands, you know, a bit like Imagine Dragons, the debut is like realistically like the fourth multi-song project or fifth multi-song project because yeah. they've been making EPs or say like the 1975, they have like four or five EPs. And then the best few songs that go on the album with some new songs. Yeah. But it also has, that. it's like a pre-release strategy where, yeah, like you say, debut album is it, it is sort of an odd term. And, you know, you see advertisements for debut albums and you... BB Doobie's a great one uh, they were saying Fake Kit Flowers was a debut album was Dirty Hit and I was looking at Dirty Hit Starlight well there's another four BB Doobie albums here yeah and it's just it's a tough one you know I think it's a very hot word that they like to use but have you noticed that they hate to use the term sophomore album for the second album which yeah. is I think a term that most people who aren't American don't even realise exists and I don't even know what you call your third album it's just trilogy isn't it trilogy third album <laughs> i suppose they just call it third album but um that it's often more than one word when they describe a third album but um yeah that puts walk the moon at roughly five doesn't it i know because the thing is with walk the moon i i want i want is sort of like a, it's like 50 percent z- 0.5 it, yeah 0.5 sort of album so it does it does put them at sort of a nice catalog um particularly when you know, I didn't know if there was going to continue. Like I was surprised when we got Heights and Heights is a really good album to listen to. Fantastic album. Um, I really, there's a fair few, I mean, all the singles, like, I mean, giants is probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite. Yeah. Giants is unbelievably good in terms of the production and that, like the hype. It's a very hype sort of song, but as it gets near the end, there's some really, really, really fantastic, like spreading of the wings, like walk the Moon operating like a pop rock, Genre, most of the time, someone but, else's game is just a particularly good B-side. Well, like a album track, basically. Yeah, a deep um, cut, if you will. Just a really solid rock track um for me. And and what the moon operate in, like a, a a sort of they're they're pop rock, but they definitely lean more towards rock, contemporary rock. Yeah. Um, and. I think a lot of people, when these bands get marketed to them, they, they look at what the moon is like, a, an eighties rehash band because of show up and dance, yeah, and then they don't hear these other songs. I mean, I remember listening to What If Nothing, and it's it was I, I can't remember what actually got me to listen to it. I listened to it just after it had come out. But I think um, I was probably looking for some new music, probably looking for new bands. And I remember really, really liking Shut Up and Dance because I think particularly on UK radio, Shut Up and Dance was a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah, you it know? was. When it, it was. came out, it was in an EDM-centric field where almost no guitar music, it felt like, maybe with the exception of some indie tracks, were really being played um, on commercial radio. So Shut Up and Dance with, with its like sort of pomp 80s thing. And another thing with Walk the Moon, they put the guitars up in the mix, which they is have solos. really nice. They actually have solos on multiple, well, they're quite frequently. I mean, like Headphones has a great outro yeah, as well. Headphones is fantastic um, on What If Nothing. And the, the, they have a lot of range for, for a pop, you know, like in quotations, pop rock band. That That's the way they're marketed towards you. You know, it's it sounds ridiculous when you look and it says that they've got 10 million monthly listeners. I mean, that's slightly skewed because of Shut Up and Dance. But again, they are they are like commercially a, a relatively, a, I would say, a very successful band. But Ed, uh, I suppose, depending on where you live, it will dictate on how you know big they feel because you know Shut Up and Dance is like a I think a global smash. But then other singles may not have you know, got deep into like commercial radio in your location. So I imagine in America, they feel a lot bigger than they do in the UK. But my point is, even though they've got 10 million monthly listeners, I still would say Walk the Moon are immensely underrated as a band. Like people just don't, I think that if if like people who really are into that rock thing, listen to Walk the Moon and actually took them seriously, they would they would have a lot more, like, acclaim, because I think, you know, it's it's one of those where I don't... I would hate to think of what the Moon getting brushed off as a one-hit wonder band. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, because the thing is, is that they had... I mean, like you say, Anna Sun was a hit before Shut Up and Dance anyway. Obviously, we didn't hear of it. it us two didn't hear of it, but... Anybody who was a fan of Walk the Moon will have known that, you know, Shut Up and songs Dance. Bubbling Up and sick yeah. deals and stuff before Shut Up and Dance, yes. And then um Yeah, they've released a, a real good string of singles um from all the albums as well and got plenty of videos. Uh, you would assume that. I mean, I, I remember um as you say, they're not on the albums, are they? Uh, what what what's the song I'm thinking of? Uh one of the singles that one came. Foot? Up. Uh no, no. Because no. One Foot, I remember I think One Foot. I saw well, we it on heard YouTube. one foot, didn't we? I yeah. heard it somewhere. And that's what made me go, whoa, I didn't realise what the moon, you know, I would not really paid attention after Shut Up and Dance. And then when I was like, Oh, they're back, they're doing some, of it. I really I give that album a lot of time a day. And luckily, I remember we we got into What If Nothing and it was like two months later or three months later, there was on tour in the UK. And I remember saying, I know I've only really just started listening to this, but yeah, yeah. I feel like I should buy tickets to see them because this album's like unbelievably good. I remember it being like quite mind blowing at the time yeah, yeah. for the, way, the mix of production and guitar focused music. Like, cause a lot of the time you'll hear bands do like a very produced album, but in that production, Production and that over-attention to production, the guitars tend to get pushed way back because they tend to take up too much space in the mix or they don't suit the songs because you're using a lot of electronic elements and it sounds weird. What the means, What If Nothing was not the case. Like you have songs like headphones that are just, the guitars are just in your face as much as any like record you could think of lots of techie drumming just a full techie sort of like, um, like the performances are unbel- like just great performances across the album yeah like I say underrated musicians as well like, 100% like they are very good musicians and I do think that you know like I say a lot of bands and it's not just Walk the Moon it's a lot of bands because it's that new band thing that a lot of people who say listen to classic rock will go oh well I don't like anything that come out after the year 2000 or in some case This is after the 1990s. But um, there's lots of these bands that you know you like if you hear them. The trick is actually listening. Going out and making the effort to just say, I'm just going to check this album out on Spotify. Whether I I think I'll like it or not, I'm just going to listen through it. Headphones has like the energy, the the raw energy that say, um, Co-Cheese by... Uh, is it Cochise that has the fireworks? Cochise by slave. Yeah, yeah, by slave. I was thinking if, if Cochise had the firework one, that's the one I was thinking of. It has that type of raw energy, in, but then it has that sort of production that really puts it one step above where it could be. It could just be a raw jam, but because you've got all this like atmospheres and effects and like, like mix and songwriting sort of hooks that they've put in, yeah. it just hits really, really hard. And this is the thing with a lot of sort of like when you go listen to, to heavier bands in quotation marks that came out in the past, they don't have the luxury of some of these production tricks that make the songs hit harder. And yeah. when you have impacts and sort of white noise sweeps and, and these tools that really make like um, a breakdown hit, it really comes across well. But you've just got a lot of like cool studio effects. And it was Time Bomb that I was thinking of, that was the single. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, also a lot of re-triggering of vocals, resampling of vocals, really interesting to hear in rock arrangements because I still think, you know, people do it and it's becoming more popular and there's bands that take it to like, you know, a a more direct place, like Bring Me The Horizon and bands like that come to mind, probably yeah. Enter Shikari, although I'm not super familiar with their material, people who push the boundaries of the genre they're in. But, you know, Walk The Moon do it with such finesse and, you I don't feel like anything ever sounds out of place on a Walk the Moon record. Like they'll put all this weird creative stuff in and and really play about your expectations, but it will still sound grounded. You know, like it's supposed to be there. It has more of the effect of like when Peter Gabriel is messing around in the eighties with studio effects and arrangements. It has that sort of thing where it feels like, um, a little, a little bit, more subtle but also a little bit more like it's placed within the song and it's not like jumping out and it shouldn't be there if it was more like a studio effect than then say like a, a really out of the ordinary re sort of thing if yeah. you know what i mean yeah and also one thing that comes to mind with walk the moon like particularly in the current climate where most singles are like two minutes 50 if that they're such a good band to listen to if you like to hear the band like jam, because they're actually on a lot of their songs, you know, like Firing Your House comes to mind. Oh, like, great there's like these extended jam sections, and they, they could have easily cut them out and said, well, you know, we're operating in like this sort of pop rock space, but they've chosen not to, and they've left these ace-like jams in. Or even Giants just taking like 10 seconds to come in. Like the yeah. song just fades in with this sort of pad sort of like introduction to the song and it's just really nice because in streaming culture you sort of don't get a second whereas it's nice when they let a song breathe at the outro for like a minute they just jam jam around because it's sort of like luxuries that you don't seem to have with a lot of songwriting because it's like quick concise deliver the song Next, song. get out. <laughs> Deliver the song. Get out of the song. That, yeah. That's like the the modern way of doing things. I feel like. Whereas you feel like a song like "Fire in Your House" is almost like a recording that's live, but then done to a level of a studio production. And I I don't get why these techniques aren't more popular on studio records because you people go out live and they do these two minute pop songs and that's fine. And then live, they're like, "Well, we've got to put like a fifty-second guitar solo in, and put these fills and, and all this eat energy in." Do a chant with the crowd, yeah, either of- after or the middle or the start of the song, and you drag think- one thing out. Like boys, like girls, did it. Yeah, uh, they dragged um, uh, language language out for about four minutes in the middle. Yeah. And people love it live. And yeah, I know live and studio, two different wheelhouses, right? But there's a reason why people go crazy when the song breaks out into a guitar solo, at a, you know, peak of the arrangement, maybe just after the bridge or something, last chorus. And it's because it works and it traditionally has always worked. So it it's really annoying. Like Gorilla. Bruno Mars. Oh yeah. On the MTV, it, was it the MTV Awards? Yeah, they or did a really cool like purple Rainy sort of thing. And he's shredding. I'm and he's like, shredded. I didn't even know Bruno Mars could play guitar. This is what, like 2013 or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, is, this happened. And then you, we went to listen to the studio record. We was like, well, because you know, I, I had not quite, got warmed up to Bruno Mars because I remember loving everything he did after that but that was where I was still like is he a just a pop thing or whatever but I remember thinking god he's really talented like you can tell in the performance you go and listen to the original studio version of Gorilla, and it's like not I mean it'd be harsh to say it sounds flat but in comparison to that expecting that yeah it's like they're they're you know, they made it a great pop record, and that's fine. But we wanted the purple rain solo and the vibes. Yeah, the vibes, and it it seemed to not have the vibes that it had. That particular live performance of it was just. It was like, it knocked your socks off. And then you went to listen to the, the record and he was like, oh, that's not They'd what it is. sort of done that thing where they produced a the song great, but they suck some of that initial raw emotion out of it. And it's hard to describe because sometimes you get it, sometimes you go, don't. But other, other artists, like some artists like Bruno Mars, is really, really good at bringing that energy and some of and then they're in situations where nobody wants to hear it on the record and you're like but he's so good at it and you can tell like on the records after um unorthodox jukebox that he was enabled to do more the sound that he wanted to do because it's a lot more personality and like the silk sonic stuff and all that just oozing personality and i think there was restricting from what i can tell as a listener uh his first album or so, there was sort of restricting him creatively to say, you can't do this. You it have to operate in this. It felt like it. And because... then from, from when he, when he was big enough to say, well, I want to do what I want to do. All of the tracks, all of the albums he's put out have been absolutely you're full of vibes and full of different eras sort of flavors. Like, And that's the thing. It's like, I feel like a lot of the time major label artists get put in a box and they they say, you're not allowed to experiment. You're not allowed to do what you actually want to do. You have to like phone it into where we are, you know, um, which maybe is less common now, but I think the problem with the 2010s is that it had a very like cold, digital sound and everything was like massive patches and stuff. Yeah. And that affected a lot of the artists that come out in that sort of mindset because it, the, the labels clearly were saying we want it to sound cutting edge, we don't want yeah. it to sound like a throwback. Whereas yeah. throwback is in right now. Throwback can be boring. Everything seems to be a throwback to a different era. It's Even like a, the, the modern EDM trance is just a, a re, not a rehash, but it's a, definitely a really specific throwback to early 2000s, late 90s music. I mean, you think, you know, like the logical song, Kim Petrus and David Getters just put that out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I know they're doing Scooter, yeah, but Scooter sampled Supertramp. And yeah. I hope the God, Supertramp didn't cover that song. Otherwise, you're going so many layers back. You know, it turns into essentially like... Chinese Whispers. Well, Chinese Whispers are like spoken word, you know, like word of mouth storytelling. Yeah. Where yeah. There's, they're passing the song down <laughs> to generations, you know, which I don't condemn. But it's one of those sometimes where you think how many times do you have to like redo a a chorus essentially? It's, it's, I mean, there's always going to be songs like that. And there's the argument is, is that, is that taking a hook from another song to bolster your own song cheap as a technique or not? Which Mm. I think a lot of people like music reviews and stuff, it's like, is it a cool throwback or is it like a cheap way to go? Well, I, I, I already like this hook. You see, I think in terms of say David Getter doing it, Obviously, he gets, he gets, you know, music charts, blah, 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 and all that. But the reason why he does it will be for his live shows, DJ sets. Yeah, um, he'll he'll yeah. be like, I don't really want to cut into logical, but I want to have an edit that's different from the original, from the scooter version. And like we say, if you're going to make that edit, just put, put it out. out. Because this is the mistake, once again, coming back to Daft Punk. Daft Punk made when Eric Prids said, well, if they're not going to do Call on Me, I will do Call on Me. And obviously there's a bunch of songs that- To go into this rumour, and it is a rumour. I don't know how true this is. Allegedly, Daft Punk had made a bunch of edits when they was doing DJ sets that they had specifically said, we're not going to release these because we want them to be special to these club nights or live sets we're doing. And basically they included songs like Call on Me and I'm assuming a lot of others of these- French house inspired tracks that came out. So there's an insinuation that because they're sampling um, Stevie Winwood on that song, well, they don't own that. So theoretically, even if Eric Prids, and this is all theoretical, I don't know if this is factually accurate, if Eric Prids went to one of these Daft Punk nights, head call on me, knew that Daft Punk were having no intention of releasing it, it would be pretty easy to go back to his studio, sample the same song, get the chords in, how he remembers it, even if it's slightly different. Slightly different. All you have to do is follow the chords of the song because that's yeah. sort of what they do, really, of Air Valerie by Stevie Winwood. And then, I didn't even know this till look doing more research into it, Stevie, Stevie Winwood actually came back to re-sing that song for Eric Bridge. So there's no connection there to Daft Punk at all. But theoretically, Daft Punk put two and two together first. Whether to what extent and whether it sounded anything like the studio version, and obviously it, it's a rumour, but yeah, the accuracy of that story is, is greatly variable. So, you know, do your own research, but that is, that's the theory. And speaking of remixes, how refreshing, how refreshing is it to have a band like what then we would also embrace remixes? Cause there's a lot of bands like the 1975 where one, I'm like, I feel like they should have remixes out and they don't. And Because they remix other people as well the Yeah, very occasionally. Well, but yeah. they, they don't really remix themselves either. So not only do they not have many other people come in to remix them, but they also don't remix themselves practically at all. Yeah, because I remember really liking the One Foot remixes when they came out. And obviously there's some good show up and dance ones the and stuff and too. The Captain Cuts remix is really yeah. good. So, um, and it's it's nice to Kings get... the remix of different colours is quite good as well. I yeah. remember that one. Um, so it's nice to get some more remixes as well on this this new release and uh, hopefully Walk the Moon ain't gone too long. I want them to do for, for, whatever, for whatever reason they are going on hiatus, let them do that. Fingers crossed. If they feel like it and they have a nice break, they might come back stronger. They have alluded to the fact that they're, you know, intended on coming back, you know, which is nice because sometimes it's a bit annoying when they're like, yeah, we're calling a break. We hate each other's guts. We're never going to see each other again and then like, Two years later, like, right, we're reforming. We've ran out of money. as <laughs> so, so many 80s rock bands have done. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you use the 80s rock bands, bands like Motley Crue, as a, oh, a benchmark, you can say, well, Walk the Moon, they could theoretically have 10 years out. 15. Even like, even like Boys Like Girls, they could have 10 years out and still come back and make a unbelievable like album with more experience. I mean, we don't even know... Is one of them going solo? It's like Nicholas P- Patrolta. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. I hope I'm somewhere near. Is he gonna go um, solo, or is Eli gonna go solo? Questions, yeah, well, you, questions. You don't, you don't know, dear, because churches have done this similar thing where they've all, all three of them have done solo projects. And um, Lauren Mayberry Mayberry has released an album, um, and one of the other two. I always confuse which projects are working on, and I can't even remember the name of the project I saw one of them working on because it was like very, um, it's just a word and it it w- didn't stick in. my Are they memory doing? At I'm all. right, in thinking they're doing like IDM. Yeah, sort they're doing of like stuff. IDM sort of stuff, and then she's just doing. Um, I think they said she plans on doing two solo albums before Churches reform. But you know, once again, a similar situation to Walk the Moon, you know that they are planning to reform. If you if you use The Killers as a benchmark for Brandon Flowers doing two solo albums, they only really were out of the game for about five years. Yeah. So if you use that as a benchmark, there's a potential that you could and see Churches and Walk the Moon reforming end half of this decade and also a lot of the bands will typically have two to four year a lot of artists in general have two to four years gap between some of their albums anyway so if you i think we've got into like a i want it now sort of situation like as fans of music where you're being drip fed content every week on spotify and you're like i want something now and it's like well wait for four years but like in the 2000s it was like if you was a fan of a lot of the bands it was like well you're you have to wait four to five years yeah. like even for bands like muse you know for any release for at all. any release yeah and it was just radio silence so i think it's obviously now they can announce things with a little bit more nuance via social media but before bands would just be like oh we're just chilling out we've got families or whatever and we'll be back at some point point." as a fan of the band you just waited until they announced something and that announcement could be five years away before new music comes out I mean it's like Chinese Democracy with Guns N' Roses oh my to God, yeah. the album well, that's never come out I was going to say where's the new, the new album it's never but they're, 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 they're not on hiatus, but they might as well be, yeah. as far as like not live, but as far as studio, studio. And they've released a few singles, but it's like one of those things. So, a band like Walk the Moon can announce a hiatus and come back before some bands have even got their act together to go back in the studio. So, yeah it's one of those things. But obviously, an announcement you you take is like, well, it's going to be at least two or three, four or five years. So, we would like to wish Walk the Moon a great hiatus. I have been a massive fan of Walk the Moon. I hope we get more music sooner rather than later, but let them do the thing and hopefully come back stronger. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. Let us know what you think in the polls, and uh, see you next week, everyone. See you next week. Thanks for listening.